All right, Chris, and now we're live. How's it going, Chris? Oh, it's going good. I'm excited about uh, this episode today. Well, I'm Chris Lopez. I'm your union brother on TikTok, and uh, we're going to talk about the importance of social media and the labor movement. But uh, before we get started, Juan, you changed your handle. I did. I changed my handle. Um, I thought, like, union organizer was, you know, it's there's another union organizer. Yeah. He's the original one. I have him on Instagram, actually. And uh, I was like, you know what? Like, because I had to have a one and a zero on different platforms. So it, it was confusing people. And you motivated me last week yeah. to change it. Yeah, we were uh, talking about organizing. And I think you were drinking a monster. And I go, hey, organizing monster. Sponsored by Mar. Sponsored by Monster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One day. But yeah, no, now it's a uh, organizing monster. Organizing Monster. That's well, right. I think oh, that's yeah. a good handle. There you go. So, Chris, what do we got going on today? Well, I'm excited because this is going to be our first Union or Bust podcast with some pretty big influencers on TikTok. We have your union sister, which is really cool because I'm your union brother. We got your union sister on TikTok. We got Union Made 22 and 254 underscore easy. There you go. Yep, they're they're there. They're on the screen. So real quick, um, if you all can just introduce yourselves, we're we're in San Diego. So your name, your handle. If you don't want to give out your name, that's cool too. Your union, you you belong to, and um, and just something quick about yourself. Yeah. I, oh, <laughs> you didn't say who first. <laughs> uh, that's for you all to decide. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, hi, I'm Alana, and I'm your union sister. I am a base council rep for the Association of Professional Flight Attendants in Phoenix. Awesome. All right, Jason. Hey, everybody. Um, thanks for having me. I'm Jason Friedman, a.k.a. 254-EASY. I'm a senior representative for the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters. In other words, the Carpenters Union in the uh, Mid-Atlantic area covering New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, D.C., Virginia, West Virginia. I'm based in New Jersey. Dad, husband, endurance athlete, um, kind of part-time, you know, and uh, just happy to be here. Awesome. And last but not least, Union Made. All right. Union uh, Made 22. Uh, my name is Bailey. I go by Union Made. Handle is Union Made 22 because my last one got banned. Um, <laughs> I'm on uh, the west coast of Canada in British Columbia on unceded Coast Salish territories. Um, and I'm a member of USPW, Local 1518. Kind of a unique uh, member, although we cover all sorts of different uh, workplaces. I work in a heritage nonprofit. And then in my free time, I make silly videos on TikTok. <laughs> cool that's awesome yeah see so uh today's episode we wanted to talk about social media and activism um especially on tiktok because we feel that as union as a as a labor movement and me and me and chris are really critical of what's going on of labor you see our podcast if you haven't watch them but uh we, 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 we analyze the labor movement. We analyze and we're critical of our leaders, you know, and why, why, why did we have 30-something percent density, union density in the U.S., you know, for the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, and then we declined. Now we're at like 10% density. In the private sector, we're at 6% union density. So what happened? Like, I think, I think it's important to know, like, 
what's happened, where we've been, to move forward and grow the labor movement again. And we believe we have social media now. We believe social media plays a big part in bringing people together from across the country, from across the, con the country, literally. Uh, Jason, you're, you're in the East Coast, and, and, yeah. Bailey, Bailey, and Bailey's in Canada. Yeah, Bailey's yeah. in Canada. Uh, and then, I mean, we, it's really cool. She's, uh, we're both uh, UFCW members, and uh, I got my union sister here. It was from the sister local. I also have your union sister on here, so that's kind of cool. We got, got everything. And, um, but, yeah, it's, you know, social media is just, it's incredibly important right now. And I think uh, I always tell people MSNBC and, and Fox News, they don't get paid to unite us. They get paid to divide us. We're kind of starting our own ecosystem here right now in uh, the labor world because, you know, the approval of labor unions, you know, I've always said it's 71 percent, but the, the, the highest percentage is, is with Gen Z. Gen Z, anyone born after 1996, yep. that, that they super approve the unions. So the, the, the younger generation is leading this is really leading this it's really exciting because you see that with like starbucks united and home depot united everyone's sick and tired yeah so so i see that you all play like a specific part on social media um uh union made you you do you want to talk about what you do on your videos i know you said silly videos but i don't sure. think they're silly yeah yeah so like kind of following up on what you were saying um the reason i got on TikTok. Uh, I'm a, I'm a millennial, um, and for a while I avoided it because I felt like I was too old for the platform. <laughs> um, but then, you know, I realized kind of what you were saying that I think like Gen Z has a real appetite for the idea of collective organizing um, and standing up for for their rights and stuff like that. And it was actually when sea shanties were trending. I was like, you know what the kids would love is old labor songs. So that was the reason I got on TikTok. Um, but then, you know, there's a lot of fun dances and trends and stuff like that that are that are on TikTok. And I figured this is kind of a way, you know, one, it's fun, um, but two, it's a way to get the message out. That it's silly it's lighthearted, uh but you can also communicate really easily with folks um so i make a variety of content that sometimes it's just like labor news uh sometimes you know and that can be good or bad news depending on what's happening um i like to make people aware of stuff that they they might not have heard about uh things that are either happening on a very local level or internationally right um i think that particularly the united states and canada can learn a lot from each other uh, like you were just saying, in terms of union density, uh, we sit at about 30% union density up here in Canada, 18% um, oh. approximately in the private sector. And of course, that's down from when we were at our high. Um, so that's, you know, just to compare, we have, we definitely have a higher level of unionization, but we still have a long way to go. And there's also just, um, I think a lot of, in, in terms of the younger generation, there's been a lot of sort of uh, this idea that like unions are out of date, uh, they were useful at one point, but we don't need them anymore, um, like all those sorts of arguments. So I think it's just kind of fun to push back on that uh, in sometimes like a way that people wouldn't expect. So yeah, so I, uh, I it, my panel has mostly become dancing now, um, but I do still try and put other things out there like union music and, and stuff like that. So 
<laughs> Very cool. You know, the thing is too, the, the, the potential for social media is so tremendous. Something like 75% of the population of the world is on a social media platform of one, one kind or another. So this is where all the eyeballs are and it's totally cost-effective, cheap, easy, free to connect with people. So, I mean, it, it's really where we should be um, stimulating conversations and growth. Well, and like, this is a really relevant conversation for us to be having right now, since down in the States, there's like talk of TikTok being banned as a platform specifically. And I don't know about you folks, but I've found that the TikTok algorithm, it, it just, it seems to bring like-minded people together a lot more easily than other platforms. Um, so that's something that I worry about, you know, if I'm going to lose all of my American comrades off of, off of TikTok, you know, um, it's, it's a good organizing tool in that way because it's, you know, it brings people that are like-minded together. I think that um, just the whole conversation about banning TikTok in the States also kind of underlines why unions are so important because this isn't about any kind of security. This is about money. It's if you follow that trail, it leads back to Google and Facebook and Instagram and Meta, all of these um, people that are threatened by TikTok and the the competition over our attention and the talent of all of the content creators and um, the value of that algorithm that doesn't just bring people together because I don't know if you guys have noticed with the algorithm in particular, but it will pump you up with people that support you, but then it slams you with people that have the opposite viewpoint. So you don't just have the opportunity to reach your echo chamber of people that you know are going to agree with you. You have a chance to really reach into the minds of people that don't agree with you and haven't had that worldview. And um, even just to kind of bring them like the message of this is the, the way that some people live, I think is super valuable. And I think it's something that threatens a lot of people. <laughs> and that's why the conversation is. Yeah. There's definitely competing business interests that are driving that conversation about banning one another, but like the genie's out of the bottle. Exactly. We can connect with one another on TikTok. We can connect with one another on Instagram or Facebook or any other platform that comes to life, right? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So speaking of that, what you're talking about, about them trying to ban TikTok, I thought the same thing. And then Chris shot me an episode or a clip of Joe Rogan. He had somebody, however you feel about him, I, I like him. Um, but he brought somebody on to talk about TikTok, how the algorithms, they're not like what they are on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. So, so they can't control it that's what they fear it's control it's all about control it's always been about even in organizing when the boss starts losing control when workers start to organize and unionize and that's what this is and i think like also on facebook facebook is outdated that's like me my generation and and, and earlier but it's also people are like high school with facebook like they they'll tell me like hey i like your posts and things like that in person but they won't like physically click like or share it or comment so it doesn't boost mm -hmm. anything yeah on tiktok i feel that people like it they'll just click like and there's no second thoughts to it because i feel like you keep that information yourself within each other so maybe there's not this high school playground mentality around tiktok that it just gets promoted over and over 
so uh -huh. fast. And then you can do like a duet and a stitch, mm -hmm. and there's all kinds of different ways to promote that one video. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, you know the labor the labor movement hashtag on Instagram has uh, seventeen thousand followers, eighteen thousand. Well, the hashtag on TikTok has almost twenty million. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, the right now the the TikTok the cross pollination that you can do on TikTok. I know I try to share you know as many videos I can that are pro labor, but we like cross pollinate. It's like hey, I'll tag your union sister in one of my videos just hey you know we're on strike in imperial valley el centro oh and then she's i'll see something of hers i'll put something up but it's like it's like we want the labor movement to grow on mm -hmm. these platforms and it's built yeah. for it and um not saying instagram's not important not saying twitter's not important um but i mean TikTok, i mean it's huge it's huge. and i specifically have a folder on my page that's solidarity videos so whenever I'm coming across things that I feel like people need to know about, I'll put it in that folder so that when they go to my profile, they can see that. Um, and I feel like it's, we all go through the same problems and we all have the same like feeling of solidarity. So I want to know if a product that I could potentially be using is, you know, not labor friendly or if there's a strike going on or a boycott. So I always try to promote other unions, probably even more than my own, um, just more so to help, um, I would say my my union in particular to know where we are in the labor movement, that we're not like in it alone, that we need to you know support each other and, and that other people are gonna come for us to support us as well. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of that, you, you did that France video uh, and they got and it went viral, and they caught my attention for sure. Uh, it caught everybody's attention, but I think it it speaks to what you're mentioning that you like to promote other actions or other people's um, uh, situation. Why aren't U.S. media covering the massive protests in France over inflation and cost of living? Well, that's easy. The U.S. media knows that inflation and cost of living is directly resulting from corporate greed. And if the people find out about their power, it's going to change everything. Workers' power is the ultimate power. When we band together, we can change entire systems, entire systems that keep them rich. And and then it, that you did that video, I'm gonna say maybe a month ago or two months ago. And look at them; they're in the they're in the they're in the streets right now. There's like millions of French people in the streets because of the whole uh, Mac Macron is trying to like raise the retirement age but just by two years, mm -hmm. two years. everybody's in the street right yeah. now in France yeah and when I posted that video it wasn't being like talked about in the US very no. much um, there was like maybe a couple uh, news outlets that were smaller that had put like a little story with a little line on it but um, now it's blowing up and actually a couple weeks ago, I was supposed to go to Paris with my mother and uh, the flight got full and we tried to go to Frankfurt. And then I found out that there were seven airports in Europe that were on strike or there were people on oh, strike. So we decided not to go to any of those airports and we went to Japan instead. And as I'm walking through the streets there, I run into a protest about military expansion. It, it wasn't a labor movement in particular. It was more of a peace movement. Um, but 
actually one thing that that was really interesting is my mom was like, oh, I bet you're so happy that all these places are on strike. And I think that's a one thing that people get wrong about the labor movement none of us like to be on strike you know it's it's hard on our families it's hard on our page on our wallets you know um but i and and also i don't want any workers to feel like they have to air their problems to have a solution they should be able to let their employers know and have it solved so it always is sad to me when there's a strike yeah no definitely and and jason um when, when you shot that video and shouting us out, a uh, Union or Bus podcast. You're like, hey, check these guys out. I just saw this video. I, I found them on Spotify. Hey, what's up, everybody? If you work with the tools, you work in construction, you might be interested in checking out the Union or Bus podcast. I thought right. that was crazy cool. Like, because I was bragging about it all day. Yeah, I've been bragging about that still. And, <laughs> and, and, and like, like what I've noticed here, in, we're in San Diego. And right. Well, because we're critical, there's gatekeepers. I feel in the labor movement, like they try to gatekeep everything. Of hey, this is they feel like this is their labor movement because they've been in for like 20 years or something. But I think yeah, I mean there's gatekeepers in in labor for sure. But um, I'd say that there's not any kind of organization that's without fault, and right. um, that there are a lot of people, especially now that we've got such a huge support with the Gen Z generation that see it as a collective and as a collective um, effort. And so I feel like those those gatekeepers, they're trying to hold on to something that's not necessarily theirs because they're not seeing it as for everyone. And I think that's going to start to shift. Yeah, I think you're well. All... And I think okay. I think that's a, a lot of what social media like is helping to do, at least in the way that we're doing it, um, because like some unions have have caught on to the internet and like they're they are using it i'm you know i follow actual union accounts on a lot of different things but it's different than an individual using it like we use it in very different ways right and i think that it kind of breaks down those barriers and like demystifies a lot of the stuff that goes on and like not to justify you know the insularness but i think like if you look at just labor history from post-World War II into the 1980s and Reaganism and all that sort of stuff, like there was a gutting of the labor movement by both government and businesses. And I think that that caused a lot of the labor movement to become really insular and like protective over itself. And I think that's where a lot of that gatekeeping comes from because they've been trying to keep the gains that they, they fought so hard for and I also sometimes think that that's the cause that like sometimes we've we've stopped looking outside as to like social justice issues or looking at the unorganized or things like that, right? Um, and so I think that's again where the the new generation and new ways of communication are kind of breaking that down because we're able to look outside of ourselves and be like, yeah, okay, this is how this goes. Sometimes there's there's flaws in every organization, you know, but if we if we think of this as more of a collective thing like your union sister is saying um it's it's not as troublesome as as some people make it out to be and it's actually a good thing overall right so, that makes yeah. such sense going back to what um juan kicked us off with talking about how union density was so much greater 30s 40s 50s and then went into decline and 
It's because the Business Roundtable organized itself, at least in the United States, and started an organized attack to beat back the gains of labor, right? So mm -hmm. now, 35, 40 years later, I mean, we've been getting our butts kicked and then been in battle. So it's it's natural to be a little insular and, um, right, a little backed into a corner. Yeah, a little bit defensive, right? And so now, defensive. like, it's we're kind of able, we got our feet under us, and now we're kind of able to look outwards again, right? Yeah. The first time I used social media to, um, like, in, in the union sense, I was uh, promoting a picket. And I was getting so many messages from flight attendants saying, oh, I wish I could be there. You know, our job in particular, we are always moving. We're, we're never in the same spot. And so it's really hard to organize and get everybody together for a picket. So just while I was out on the picket line, I started a virtual picket on Facebook Live. And that ended up getting shared and overshared so many times. I think I had like 8,000 viewers at one point. And um, so that's when my union started to really look at that. And they were they were amazed by it. They were just like, are you kidding me? There's 8,000 people on this online picket. And I think that, you know, if we if we just look at that, it like if you offer people the ability to support you, how they can meet you is so important I think mm -hmm. I, mean, I got a question for the group if I could jump back in so in, in the carpenters union where where I live and work I head up a social media team so it's myself and a handful of colleagues just kind of on a volunteer basis you know creating accounts amplifying our messages liking and resharing creating posts are are you all like involving your colleagues in your work do you have any kind of structure internally to like leverage social media uh yeah in particular my my union we have like a communication share and he uh kind of distributes the tasks for um the official apfa unity TikTok, and the instagram and the facebook um and then you know each base has their own like media spokesperson that um they can they can also kind of do their thing with that so it's going through your communications department, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. I pretty much do what I want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for myself, my none of my content is on behalf of any organization. I only speak for myself. But I, I do um, really appreciate how much my local is on social media. Like, um, And again, the ways that they use it. it a, lot of, a lot of the stuff is, of course, like branded informational type stuff but um the president of the local kim novak is really great at she goes out to sites and she'll do like little lives and stuff like that um or just videos on site like when in particular when the pandemic happened there was a lot of stuff changing um and she really used social media as a way to kind of give people like direct personal updates on what was happening um and so i think that sort of stuff is really effective and I, I, I love the fact that um, official union accounts are super supportive of us non-official folks as well. Like I get likes from from different unions in random places, yeah. um, which is really great. Sometimes I forget that there's like official professional people on, on social media. <laughs> <Yeah. but. laughs> Sometimes I forget. One of, one of my person. jobs at my union was labor outreach. And um, 
with that, I was supposed to reach out to the different unions and, and mostly they were looking at us to do that on site, like the different unions that uh, uh, represent people at our airline. So like the uh, CWA, the IBT. Um, but then it once I started doing social media and, and it's outside of the realm of the union, like your union sisters, me, mm-hmm. um, I've been able to reach so many more unions that I never would have thought about um just in the context of my career and um so many that i was surprised are you know unions (laughs) so it's actually really great like um you know we've got tech that's uh going to be unionizing now we've got strippers in hollywood that are unionizing Mm -hmm. i mean there's so many different um and and actually like uh one of my posts, the the one that you were talking about with France, it was liked by Rosie O'Donnell, who is a SAG member. I and, saw that. Yeah, and like <laughs> actually, so yeah, as like so, I'm I'm like baby Gen X, and she was really big as a comedian, as a talk show host. And one of the things she did during the SAG after strikes was she made sure that all of her advertising was union. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, how brilliant is that? And then to have her like my post was actually just, I was over the moon. Yeah, that's cool. That's what I'm saying. Like that, like I'm on Twitter. Like Chris gives me Twitter and he has TikTok and Instagram. Oh, he, he's good on Twitter. And he's it's really not even that, it's not even like, well, Sarah Nelson follows me. Ah, uh, so yeah. I so think any, anyway. She's amazing. That's it. Like, anyway, that's it. I made it. She doesn't but, follow um, me. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that, that kind of connection though, we haven't met in person. But then she follows me. She'll retweet me every once in a while. Uh, like, are you got, do you all follow Union Dripped? He's really yeah, good. Yeah. He's a team I don't think I, I know that one. Yeah. Uh, He's on Twitter. Him on yeah. Twitter, Union Okay. Dripped. Oh, I need to get He's more great. into Twitter. He has like 60,000 followers. But when people wear their jackets or their gear, they tag him and he'll retweet it. And then, boom, your thing would just balloon. But that's a kind wow. of solidarity that we're talking about like his background cover thing on on twitter it's solidar it says solidarity mm-hmm. and then we, we're inspired by that so uh, we're gonna buy like some lights and it's gonna say solidarity and we're gonna put that on the back of our backdrop too mm-hmm. just because nice. i think that's the theme of this podcast is solidarity whatever that means to you um but there's a lot of different ways to be in solidarity with people uh there's ways to go on picket lines mm-hmm. but sometimes you're not there uh, there's ways to like reshare petitions and all that good stuff, but also on social media, I think just retweeting or sharing a TikTok video is solidarity, and I think that's what this is all about for us. Mm-hmm. Is that's the only way we're gonna get out of this mess? Yeah, and I think that you know people talk about the decline, you know, when when unions were in their heyday, and now, um, but the labor movement's so hot right now, and right now it's up to us actually. All of us on this podcast, we are the labor movement leaders of our time. That's what I think going that on right now. with that responsibility, though, we need to really figure out and target what it is that's keeping unions down, because it's not just what's happened with Reagan. Like it started with right to work. And so that's why it was such a huge mm-hmm. accomplishment for Michigan to be able mm-hmm. to um, revoke those right to work laws. Um, but it also goes down to, you know, the. Uh, the politicians that are to represent us in government, like just like union, they're supposed to represent us and they're not doing that. And we're not necessarily holding them accountable to that. You know, we're still promoting candidates that end up 
you know, forcing the rail workers to take a contract that doesn't even give them sick time. And so at this point, I think that we need to shift into a more political um, stance and start running for these local offices, these national offices, and, and really support people that are union yeah. and not just saying that they're going to be there for union. Definitely. And that yes. is, uh, go for it, Jason. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say it, you know, Alana makes a great point that the local, uh, your local politics can have such a tremendous impact in the construction world where we're advocating for PLAs, opposing right to work, um, trying to adopt labor standards on projects. You know, your mayor, town council, your county leadership, whether they be commissioners or solicitors, whatever their names are, are tremendously impactful on those kind of things. And like when a new high school is built in your town or a municipal bridge is repaired, like that can employ local workers at a living wage or it can employ the cheapest people po possible from anywhere in your state or country, right? James, so there's a difference. Jason, Jason sorry. Oh, Bailey, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jason, on, um, on one of your podcasts, you talked about the- TikTok? Oh yeah, on TikTok. It was TikTok or, yeah, yeah. definitely was TikTok. And you talked about you know the approval, how the approval of labor unions is so high. But that's that's not just one party. That's like right. other people coming from other parties, you know, coming Absolutely. together. You know, now I try to make that message quite a bit because one, unions definitely get painted in the corner by the uninformed as only Democrat, only blue, yada yada. You know, but the truth of the matter is there are Republicans and Democrats that both support labor issues, both support working people. And, you know, the, the way we talk about the carpenters is that when you inter, interact with an elected official or somebody who's seeking your support or vote or money, we ask them where they stand on carpenter values. Carpenter values of living wage, dignity and retirement, safety of the workplace, right? Regardless of whether they came to your door on uh, on an elephant or a donkey, we want to support people that support carpenter values. I don't know if that resonates with you all, but that's kind of the way we look at it. That's exactly kitchen table economics. Yeah. The main thing is to keep the main thing the, the main, main thing. thing. That's what I like to say. We didn't rehearse that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I have an example. Um, when I was at the Labor Council, they sent me to Missouri to fight right to work. And I was like, dude, this short Mexican bald guy going to Missouri, I'm going to get lynched. Um, and then I was knocking on doors that have Blue Lives Matter flags, Trump flags, uh, you name it, flags, right? Uh, Confederate flags. And then, no, people were extremely receptive to working issues. That's it. That transcended everything. They wouldn't even ask me if I was a Democrat, Republican. Or no. I would never talk about that. And we, we destroyed right to work that year in 2018 by like a three to one margin. That's pretty high. And that was Missouri, you know, so mm. we didn't talk about red or blue or nothing like that. We strictly stuck to um, to economic issues, which is union density and worker power. And people people bu are buy into that because especially in Missouri, you know, that's where the plants were. GM, Chrysler, Ford, you name it. So like labor is in their DNA, like their their granddaddy was somebody that worked in Ford or something. So it built their middle class that they we have more in common than we think we do that's why chris said earlier like msnbc cnn fox news they're just there to divide us they make money off of that good for them um but 
but in reality people have more in common Bailey it, since you're in Canada I feel like you mm -hmm. have some issues that are like different than than what we have to go up against I mean like immediately when you said Canada I was like mm -hmm. oh how nice to not have to like fight over healthcare. <laughs> you know exactly. that's a huge thing for well, unions here you know like it, it's a different fight right um because like while you folks are still arguing over like whether public health care should even be considered we're again trying to keep what we've already got and we do have the constant attacks on it and it's currently happening in a lot of provinces mm. um particularly ontario on the uh, eastern side but all, all over um conservative governments are looking to privatize right and that's very intentionally done because they want to privatized to allow the public system to fail and go, this is why we need a private healthcare system, right? Um, and so that's, you know, that's really affecting things. And uh, we just recently, like we've had healthcare strikes um, in, in different provinces as a result. Uh, and they're really demanding patient care. It, it, it is about wages, of course, but a lot of the time it's about working conditions and about the conditions for the patients. So um we like i i say this also caveated like we ha we do have an amazing healthcare system like don't let folks in power down there tell you that oh like yeah you're not you're not gonna ever see a doctor and stuff like that um you know the fact of the matter is like i gave birth and i only i, I stayed in the hospital for four days and i paid twenty dollars for my parking you know oh, that was wow. the cost to me um and that's how it should be exactly you know um but there are problems, you know, finding family doctors, all those sorts of things, uh, like our healthcare system is in crisis. Um, so we have different fights, right? And like, when you talk about things like uh, abortion access, right? Um, we're not looking at it being completely outlawed, but it's already hard to access. And there's people that are trying to make it more difficult and more problematic, right? Um, we have our own issues with race up here. Uh, we do have um a huge amount of indigenous folks that are targeted by police uh we have you know so we have our own issues and um again that's where solidarity i think plays a huge role um unions need to see i think those types of things as organizing opportunities because we share all this stuff in common uh, as a working class you know that there's like powers against us and powers working against us and that there's power in collective action right um so there, there is a lot of uh, political support, uh, you know, that, that unions provide. Something also, I guess, that's a little bit interesting that uh, my province in particular, British Columbia on the West Coast, uh, has done that's really changed the political landscape is in 2018, we got, um, we made it so that both corporations uh, and unions are not able to donate to political campaigns anymore. Wow. So only individuals are able to donate and that's uh, capped up to a max of like $1,200 a year, I think. And that resulted in a coalition government being formed between the Green Party and the New Democratic Party, which is our left-wing party. Um, and then ultimately now we have an NDP majority. And I personally think that um, although, you know, it, it took a, one way of unions uh, being unable to influence it, like, you know, in that sort of way by donating, um, the, the power of taking corporations out of, uh, you know, being able to donate hundreds of thousands of dollars to politicians, it changed the landscape completely. 
in terms of politics. Um, and again, there's still the power of individuals to be able to go out and volunteer and uh, union members are primed for that. We're primed for door knocking and, and standing out and, and doing rallies and stuff like that. Um, so I think that that makes a big difference uh, in terms of politics and how they're done here. I think that's really interesting because, you know, when I did take an organizing class and um, and actually Juan was Juan was one of the instructors in it. And, uh, you know, um, one thing I've learned um, is that, um, you know, my dad is a Hindu and I'm Christian and there's an old proverb in India that says after you cut off someone's nose, there's no point in giving them a rose to smell after you demean what someone holds is valuable. You could tell them the truth, you could tell them, but they'll never believe you because you demean what they hold is valuable. And I kind of take that into, um, you know, when I do talk to people and realize, like, there's a lot of pro, I mean, 50% of our union's Republican, you know, and there's a, there's a lot of people that, that believe certain ways. But that's, I think, that, that uh, MSM, they use very, very controversial issues to, to get us to stop talking about kitchen table economics, stop talking about you know how people are one paycheck away from being homeless they they, yeah. they, they divide us and um you know it's it, it, we have an opportunity right now to come together i mean we all probably have different beliefs but i always i never forget that and then Juan, i actually you know i got uh Juan to kind of believe in that too <laughs> oh yeah I, I always think that like i never talk smack about what somebody believes in or what kind of music they listen to because or I know that's a such a small example, but it's still like why? Who cares? We're all individuals. We all believe and like different things. Um, I like sushi. Chris probably doesn't like sushi. Yeah, I like sushi. He, he likes sushi. Anyway, bad example. <laughs> but, but I won't put put him down for liking a different band or something like that. Those are not. Those are those are just distractions. Those are just getting along, kind of building rapport, kind of thing to mm -hmm. do. But in the long run, for us to actually stand up and do something about it and save America and the world, I feel like we have to come together no matter what. Um, we have to build that rainbow coalition that Fred Hampton was talking about, you know? Mm -hmm. And we have to get back to those basics. It's all about building the basics. I think we're there though, because we, we, we just talked about a 71% approval rating amongst uh, everybody here in the US is for unions, but we only have 10% union density. I think it's all right. Like they're gonna spend tons of cash. I've and my organize all the organizing campaigns that I've done, they've done union busting. Like they'll pay a lawyer four thousand dollars a day, and they'll spread their propaganda, and it works sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't work, but they have all the money in the world, which is kind of cool because when you beat them, you feel like you just defeated Goliath and stuff, and it only empowers the workers even more after that. But 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 we are fighting Goliath as a labor movement. Because we're fighting this, the same Democrat and Republican. They're getting funded by the same oligarchs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's up to us as workers, as individuals, to come together to fight back. But, yeah, never chop somebody's nose off, Chris. No, you don't want to. <laughs> I want to key on what you said about the Rainbow Coalition. And Bailey mentioned, um, you know, race and the indigenous population of Canada. Because I wonder how much of that is a barrier. There's still... You know, I don't, I don't know how much, but I think there's still some perception that the construction unions are only for white men uh, and that sort of thing, especially just in the middle of Women's History Month in the United States and coming off of Women in Construction Week. You look at the membership of the local unions, at least in my neck of the woods, 
very diverse. Uh, I did a live video with a, a woman, a female apprentice, um, Wednesday afternoon. Got really good on the East Coast, at least got some good comments of people chiming in. I was just interviewing her about what it is to be a woman and an apprentice in the in the construction industry and business. You look at the statistics, like there's plenty of people of color coming into the construction industry and working in unions, but is that similar in IATSE and UFCW in the in the airline industry, or do you guys see something different? Well, I would say so for my industry in particular, it we're, we have a majority of women. Um, and so I know that with my union, we used to uh, like the way that my union formed, they they left another union that was more focused on men's issues um, and represented, I believe it was the mechanics. And so when they pulled out, it was because they didn't feel like they had a voice. They didn't feel like they were being represented properly. Um, and, and so I would say anybody that uh, is in a marginalized group that feels like they need to um, have a voice, then they need to get involved in the union. They can't just look at the union as something that's supposed to represent them. They need to have someone that looks like them in there um, because there, there are different issues that that women that would have in construction than men, you know, I think of the safety issues, number one, like that there's going to be different, uh, different ways to make women feel safe um, that men probably wouldn't even think about. And so that's why you would need to, if there's not anybody there representing you that looks like you, then you need to be that one mm -hmm. that goes in there and does it. Hell yeah. And with us, with Ayatsi, yeah. we're predominantly white male for sure, forever. Uh, but we, ha but it has been diversifying over the past 15 years. I'm going to say I've only been in this union for three years, but when I came in here, I'm not just the organizer here. I'm like the recruiter as well. So last year I made it a point when the industry bounced back cause we were shut down for a year and a half, uh, cause of the pandemic, I made it a point to go to high schools that were like on the underrepresented, um, side of the spectrum and recruit kids that were in those schools. I made it a point so I can. Because look at, you know, I, I'm not a white man, but I want to diversify this union because San Diego has been diversifying, whether we like it or not, California has. So I think it's very important. And then and then reaching out to these communities so it's not just a white man that's working in these arts, in these theaters, in these conventions, big old convention, Comic-Con, TwitchCon. Uh, but yeah, we've made it an effort to make change here on purpose. Yeah, the labor movement is not a white man with a hard hat anymore. That exists for sure. That does exist, but it has evolved over time. The industry has evolved over time. Our industry, everyone's industry. UFCW has evolved over time. Now you guys organize freaking dispensaries and stuff. Yeah, we are the cannabis union. Yeah. <laughs> what about teamsters? Yeah, the bud tenders. We have them up here as well. Yeah, the there's space for everyone in the labor yeah. movement. And, and I think every union welcomes the diversity Um so, you know, if, if anybody feels like they aren't being heard, they need to get involved with their union or start a union if you don't have one. Exactly. Well, and I do think it takes like a conscious uh, effort on the part of organizers as well, like on what you were doing, um, because it, it's not just getting folks into the union, because I think the membership a lot of the time is reflecting the population more and more. But it's in those higher levels of when you're looking at union leadership, union organizers and stuff like that, that's where at least in Canada, we're still not seeing 
women and people of color making their way, their way up through the union uh, in, in positions where they can really make significant change. And I think that it's one thing to say, okay, well, if you don't see yourself represented, get involved, but it's, it's hard to take that step and be the first person, right? Like we just had the first female president and she's white or was white, sorry, she's not the president anymore, but we just had the first female president of the BC Federation of Labor like five years ago, you know? Um, and that, it, that shouldn't have taken over a hundred years of that being a federation to happen. Um, in Canada, the majority of union members are actually women and often women of color because the public sector is more represented by unions now. Um, so you're looking at healthcare workers, teachers, all sorts of things like that. And so the average union member is a woman um, and could be, you know, an immigrant or a woman of color, et cetera, but they're not, they're not represented at those higher levels. And sometimes it takes someone tapping you on the shoulder and going, hey, you can do that. Like you're, you are really capable. You really have an opinion. You show up to union meetings and you're always really active. Like you should get involved. You know, you can make a difference. Um, so I think that's, that's also on it. And whether we can encourage people to get involved through social media, I don't know if that's like one way that people can feel like they have a little bit more room of having a voice, but that's definitely one of my goals is like empowering people to feel like you have the ability to speak up, know your rights, form a union if you feel like it, you know, um, but also get involved in your union. When people say like unions, uh, you know, they they only serve themselves and stuff. It's like, well, you need to, you need to, you do need to get involved if you want to have a say, right? You do need, if you want it to look like what you want it to look like, you have to get involved. So there is a degree of of people needing to get on board. For us, and I feel vehicle, like the, the oh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Just gonna say the vehicle for the carpenters uh, that we developed, much to Bailey's point here. Um, construction is still male dominated about five percent of the construction workforce is female and it may be really less than that because some of those numbers i think include back office construction personnel that are working in communications marketing what have you but the sisters and the brotherhood developed inside the carpenters union so there's there's a vehicle now for ladies um if they want to you know if they if they identify with that if they if it vibes with them to join in be a part of a way to amplify their voice and make their needs, opinions, thoughts known internally, you know, so they have mm -hmm. a support mechanism and it's been pretty successful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when people say that um, unions just serve themselves, I think that, uh, you know, the unions have started getting more um, aware of things on a global level. Like, uh, for instance, when my union, uh, was fighting the toxic uniforms that we were given from our company, the uniforms that were literally making people sick, giving them rashes and killing their pets at home. Uh, my union went and fought hard to get um, some safe uniforms for us. And they recognized that they might not be able to get them made in America, that they might have to um, agree to a uniform that isn't made in America, so is non-union. And so what my union did is they made sure that our union standards were going to be delivered to these workers. So my union flew out to these, these uh, textile factories and would talk to the workers and make sure that they were getting a living wage, getting you know proper housing for the people that, you know some countries, they house them there at the facility. And so um, I think that 
that unions are being more mindful about spreading what it means to be a union laborer uh, to other areas as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think this is our this is our time. We talk about it over and over again, right? Our us millennials, um, we grew up without the internet, and the internet came to us. Well, for me, it was middle school, high school time frame. So we we had the bikes and elementary school and all that good um, past or childhood. But then we grew up with the internet. So the internet allowed us to have access to people around the country, around the world. And so we, I think our generation now, now that we're getting older and we're becoming more involved in labor, we're becoming the leaders of the labor mm-hmm. movement. So now I always say out with the old and with the new, people don't like that, but I think it's what it has to be, be in order for ch- change to really happen. I think it's cool. We all fight for retirement. Let people retire. Yeah. That's all good. But what, I'm trying, but what I'm trying to say is that now it's our time to become these leaders and then shape the labor movement how we want it to be. I think yeah. that's what we're doing exactly with this podcast. With me and Chris, I'm spending all this money on all this gear, but it's okay. We're, we're we do America. need to remember, though, that we're standing on their accomplishments, exactly. that we're we're yeah. only able to get this much farther because of all the work that they've done in the past. Whether or not we feel like they've gone about things the right way, we need to make sure that we are securing what they fought for, um, because literally in the labor movement, people have died for this. Yeah. And so we need to keep that in mind and respect that as we fight for better and for more. It's a virtual totally. reality right now. And, you know. When uh, I did look at, I remember we were talking, um, your union sister, and then I was like, your union sister? I saw her her handle on TikTok, and I said, I wonder if I can do your union brother. And then I did your union <laughs> brother, and I got it. I'm all, oh my gosh, I got it. So it's kind of cool. But I, yeah. when, when I comment, people see, you know, you look at who comments, your union brother or your union sister. It's kind of like, you know, those handles, you know, yeah. are going to. Yeah, I remember yeah. Um, when. So you and I were like friends on TikTok before you had changed your handle. Yeah. So I was like, yes, Union Sister has a Union Brother. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I thought your, your, your line that you have in there, I think it says, like, if I could join every union, I would. Yes. I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Speaking of cool, are unions cool? I um, think so. Absolutely. <laughs> right? They're um, sexy. I mean, I think Don't they're cool. Don't a union card. <laughs> Yeah, that was one of my most recent videos. It, it, as uh, yeah, I think that being a union member makes you infinitely hotter, yeah, and cooler, and and more intelligent. <laughs> yeah, I th- I think this okay. This made me think of like because in the union you think of the greater picture, you think of solidarity, you think of other people instead of just an individualistic approach. Kind of like that one movie, uh, Twenty One Jump Street. You all see that one, the the latest one, mm-hmm. when they, when they they go back in high school, back to high school with cool muscle cars and yeah. stuff like that and then like the cool kids though in the high school they're like dude what are you doing man that's wasting gas and this and that he drives a prius <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, like, being cool has shifted or changed maybe a little bit that's what i'm trying to say well no i mean we we're hot i mean and that's one of the things i explain to my members i'm a union representative and i i always tell them i go i go you know how important how many elected officials would love to take a picture with you right now you know, people are, are stopping by. We're on strike in, um, in El Centro, Spreckle Sugar, and elected officials, they keep coming. They take pictures. They, they, they do, uh, what are those called, um, uh, letters from the state assembly saying, I support, uh, like, proclamation. And it's just, it's really, really, I mean, it's just, it's just hot. So 
And some people don't know how hot they are. So I tell them. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had this kind of um, moment where when I was in school, I was, uh, I was nominated by Arizona State University to represent them in the Truman Scholarship Fund. Uh, I was trying to get a scholarship so I could go on to law school and become a labor lawyer, um, which I, I would still love to reach that goal. But on the committee, there was a, a guy who ended up running for uh, governor here in Arizona. And um, so he was on the committee and he asked a line of questions that made me feel like he didn't really support unions and support the cause. And then I was at an AFL-CIO event locally, and he came to shake hands with people and ask for support. And I got to call him out on it and just say, like, hey, um, what are you doing here? You know, the, the things that you were asking me made me feel like you thought that I should just be grateful to have a job and not that my employer should be grateful to have my talent at his at their work site Amen. and uh he just kind of like stopped for a minute and he didn't he didn't even know what to say and it was the first time i've seen a politician not be able to come up with their canned response like that <laughs> and you know he he knew then that his decisions and who he supports and and what he does are going to come back on him <laughs> they are coming back you know you gotta yeah. be careful what you say i mean we i look at ourselves as a people in the labor yeah. movement, you know, we're, we're, we look, we're like a pride alliance and, you know, we take care of each other and, um, you know, there's people that want to hurt us or kill us, but you know, that's why, you know, all this cross pollination, all these platforms is so important and it's just exciting to, to have this. I mean, yeah, definitely. So yeah, uh, we usually, we usually shoot for an hour, so we'll start wrapping this up, but any, any last words, this is the first time we all meet, by the way, whoever's watching this. Yeah. You know the millions of this people. This isn't staged. Yeah, it is not. <laughs> we didn't rehearse anything. Um, but but these are real people. Um, any last words? Like I know this is the first time that we've had each other on and and had a meeting or or a Zoom. Well, I, I just like to say it's such a pleasure uh, meeting with with you all. It's, it's a pleasure to be here and pass off to Chris and Juan for getting the Union or Bus podcast going. I mean, it inspires me to to explore that podcast world and maybe kick something off, but. All I'll say is, look, if you're interested in the Carpenters Union, you can find me on um, TikTok, 254Easy. I have a link tree there. You can contact me directly, ask any questions, and um, choose quality over price. Do it right the first time. Build union. Hell yeah. That's awesome. And then I'd, I'd like to say also thank you for having us on. Um, it's great to to know that like the work that we're all doing is reaching people. Um, right now, the 25,000 American Airlines flight attendants that are represented by my union are trying to get a contract, and we haven't had a raise in over three years. We haven't been able to um, secure any of the things that we've lost with bankruptcy contracts, and so that's what we're fighting for right now. So you're going to be seeing some content from me about that struggle, but um, my struggle is not independent of me and my union. This is stuff that we're all going through right now, and and we need to support each other. And so I'm so glad that you're doing what you're doing to help promote that. Totally. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo for a third time. Thanks to you folks for, for having us all on. Um, again, like it's really cool to actually make these connections. It's, it's the cool part of social media because how, how would uh, any of us have met each other otherwise, right? Um, but it's that sort of stuff that really like this, this, keeps me motivated and I hope for other people that this sort of content can keep 
folks motivated in their activism because I think a really important part, especially in, in today's days where there's just doom and gloom, I think we need to keep a revolutionary optimism and hope that, you know, that there is a better world possible and that we build it together, right? So um, you folks help, help keep that alive for me. So yeah. thank you. Awesome. I was definitely thinking like, you know, as everyone's talking and we don't, we haven't met each other in person, but it's like, why can't we have like a, a, a TikTok convention for influencers? You know, why not? I mean, <laughs> and then 254 underscore easy says, uh, I guess, because Vegas is central for everyone and the flights are cheap because they're so. I keep telling everybody to come to the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> I think Vegas would be a good spot. I can get direct flights that it seem pretty cheap. And we should continue, whether we meet in person as a convention or just do Zoom calls, we should continue to stay in touch and communicate, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, that concludes one of our episodes of social media and activism. Thank you all for joining us. I know we're on different time zones because we're in different states and different countries, but it was outstanding. We had a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I'll be putting, I'll be dropping your all handles on, on this episode. So it should be coming out uh, this week. So stay tuned. All right. Thanks, Terrific. everybody. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Solidarity Thanks, forever. Think about me.